the sound of redemption, the sound of resurrection. It's the sound of a revolution, brother. Wow! Get fired up for this. Are you guys ready for a revolution? Yes, we are, Conrad. It's the State of Combat podcast with the... Brian Campbell on CBS Sports, and it's back with a feel-hole invasion that is back-jacked and underwritten by that one and only performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, without question, the voice that you hear. And I know you can hear the excitement in my voice. I'm not going to bury the lead any longer, folks. We are in the midst of quite possibly the most important historic week in modern pro wrestling since, I don't know, since Phil Brooks's pipe exploded. Come on, lay the pipe on mommy, big guy. Come on, go ahead. I just might, Paul. I just might because AEW is here. The revolution is here. John Moxley spitting truth on a podcast with Chris Jericho is here. And WWE proper with more pressure on it to deliver this week than at any time. And I don't know, 20 years in the face of real competition. Well, Vince. Just so you'll know. I don't succumb to public pressure. I could care less what the public wants because, quite frankly, I know what they want better than they do. Well, that is true after Raw and SmackDown this week. But look, my DMs are flooded with more revolutionary takes than the Boston Tea Party. Waiting, people waiting with bated breath and eager anticipation for how your boy BC, the only man who was brave enough to exploit his post SummerSlam filthy Brooklyn bedsheets and cry out to the wilderness that we wrestling fans deserve more. You want to hear how I'm going to react to double or nothing? Well, you're about to hear that. We got one loaded show for you this week. Recapping, of course, AEW's launch, WWE's response, and previewing Saturday's NXT TakeOver 25 card from my quasi-backyard of grimy Bridgeport, Connecticut. But before I bring in my co-host and before I bring in our very special guest, and really after I remind you, it's really all about the five when it comes to paying it forward for your love for this show, the SOC. I got a few words to share. Adam Silverstein may as well check out now. It's long intro season because it's that important of a time, brothers. The first thing you have to realize is that this here right now is the future of professional wrestling. In fact, you can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. These brave men on Saturday night came in from that big organization up north. Everybody wondering who the third man would be. Well, who knows more about that other organization than John freaking Moxley. His arrival putting the cherry atop the cake and outright declaring that this isn't just a great time to be alive. This isn't a better time to be a pro wrestling fan in what can only be called the third boom period of the modern era. This right here is a war. A war. A rising tide with the potential to raise all ships and maybe even pitch your own personal tent. And maybe, just maybe, change the stubborn ways of one aging pirate, regardless of which side of the line that has been drawn on this show for years that you stand on. Saturday night made us all feel something. The mega powers are about to explode in my pants right now. It made us feel something. Feel that. You can't help but feel. feel that. Feel all of that. It reminded us that as the great Nick Costos once said, this art form, this genre 
can sometimes be so good it feels like Shakespeare. Saturday showed us that the tired patterns and tropes that leave us underwhelmed each week doesn't need to be the only way. Like our listeners' lustful thoughts of Liv Morgan. Luckily, there's still a few Mavericks out there who are willing to risk it all for the sake of art, creativity, and legacy. Beginning this fall, folks, beggars will be choosers. I know Eric Bischoff said controversy creates cash. That's true. But it's competition that forces everyone to be better. We have competition. We can touch it. We can feel it. We can love it. It's an unscripted product in which individuals can find out how great they truly can be. It's that same arena that allowed one Jonathan Good, the FKA Dean Ambrose, to produce a pop that penetrated our collective shield so jarringly that forgive me if I don't start printing my own Mox 316 shirts. The revolution will not only be televised, it is alive, it is well, steak will be served. We can all hear Jimmy. Wow. I need a cigarette. I'm so damn fired up for this. Let me bring in my anti-revolutionary co-host to get his take on this. You know the guy. You love the guy. Say hello to the bad guy. He never hedged. He didn't believe in the revolution in the beginning. Let's find out where he stands now. His name is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey, now, before we get into that, I need to know, and I think our entire listenership needs to know, did you just praise a company that is based on being unscripted with a scripted promo? No, no. I had, I had, I had uh, bullet points. I had excitement points. There was had, no script. I had feel invasion points. There was no, there was no WWE writer putting that down for you, feeding it to you. No, no, you no. Like do ten takes, reading it word by word. Like the future of pro wrestling, which is a lot like the past of pro wrestling. I was allowed to create my own, you know, character, my own person. Allow myself, the Brian Campbell, to go up to twelve. This was all me. No okay, writers. Just I no want. Scripts. I wanted to check. I saw the eyes moving back and forth. Bullet points are acceptable. A script is not when we're praising what BC likes to be calling the revolution. And I think you're a little unfair to the Silver King of that intro there. I am not anti-revolution, and you know this, man. But also, the revolution as you saw it, BC, uh, 12 months, 18 months ago, is not the final form that we got Saturday night in Las Vegas at Double or Nothing. That was quite different from what you initially wanted and what you and I and, and Nick at the time expected to happen. What we thought would happen was that New Japan Pro Wrestling would take a, a tentacle and reach its way into the United States and it would build this product and everyone would be happy and we'd get this awesome new piece of entertainment, wrestling entertainment. Right. The only difference is but, it, they formed their own company. And the, right, only, because, the only difference is New is, Japan was so slow and, and unwilling to do the things that we all said they needed to do that these guys basically said, you know what? F them, we're going to do it. Wow, we are one minute into the most important podcast in this show's history and maybe the most important week in the pro wrestling history of this show, and Silver King's got a gallon of paint to throw on the white wedding dress. Unreal. It's on brand, though. We got to stay with it. We got a special... What what, what do you got, Silver King? You literally have to stop making things up. I'm saying that the AEW guys said F them to New Japan and went out and did something on their own. 
That's praising them. You got to stop taking things I say and turning them like I'm being negative. I, read I, was, you, I was just praising them, and you're like, look at Silver King throwing paint on the whole thing. I, 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 hey, I gave you the form to get excited and be fired up. We all I saw your excited. Twitter feed, all right? Gave... And maybe we'll do it now. Maybe the red and black Wolfpack pod starts right now, Silver King. Because it's that time. It's that fresh. It's the future. It's history. Hey, let me bring in my special guest. He's CBS Sports' own writer, editor, Podcaster, you've heard his voice on this pod before. Jacko himself, Jack Crosby. Jack, can you be a mediator within this revolutionary war we've got going right here? Can you split the difference? Can you pick up the check? Because Silver King's already punching desks, and we're coming off maybe the most excited any of us have been about wrestling on Saturday night in years. WCW is back, baby. Wow. I am fired up. World Championship Wrestling is back on the scene. No, in all seriousness. <laughs> No, um, no, it, it, it was enjoyable. I, I it, it was what it was. It, it it was what it was supposed to be on Saturday night, double or nothing. It was, it, you know, it was a presentation to the fans of here is what we have for you. And I enjoyed, I, I'm not going to lie, every single second. And I went into the show as both op- optimistic and pessimistic. I, I did. Like I've, I've said on this podcast before, when, when it comes to AEW, you have things you have to show me in and little little bits, a little bit at a time. You have things you have to show me for me to put my good faith into you. Saturday night was the first step. They took my good faith. I said, OK, I'm all I'm very sober, all in on this. Very smart and sober and Silver King. You and I had legitimate fears and concerns after a build toward double or nothing that wasn't up to par with our expectations for a show that potentially historically important. But you got to come out of Saturday night being, I got to see this weekly product. The fall needs to begin right now because it exceeded, at least for me, anything I thought coming in. Absolutely. The way they closed that show, and, and it wasn't just the matches and the booking, it was the presentation because it took them a while to get going. And you know my opinion. I tweeted it. I'm not going to necessarily say it at this juncture. Maybe we'll discuss it later in the show. But there's no denying. What there is no denying is the final three matches on that card were extraordinary professional wrestling. They were good matches. They told good stories. And they gave us the classic. And and look, AEW can say they don't want to be Attitude Era all they want. And they want to quash that and, and bury that in the past. But what do they give us? They gave us almost like the equivalent of Bloodstone with Dustin. And then, just like Attitude Era WWE pay-per-views, they gave us that big reveal, that big swerve at the end of the show to get the fans in a frenzy, get you talking. And if they had a Monday night show, get you to watch on Monday night, get you to watch the next week of TV, get you, in this case, to watch Being the Elite. And they really, really delivered when it came to that. And ultimately, that's what matters the most. At the same point, I can't tell you what, what I, that I agree with Jack in that I sat through that entire show and said – oh yeah, this is all living up to expectation or this is all great because it really wasn't and it really took a while to get going. Yeah, it was very, you and I had some choice words offline, off camera, off mic, Silver King, at your public reaction to the show, which I thought, look, it wasn't obviously a perfect show. I mean, we could sit here and we probably will for 15 minutes it wasn't and, break, negative, though. and break down how bad overall the commentary was, even though there were good moments within the commentary, but commentary and presentation was just off. Thank you, Alex Marvez. But Look, it hit a monster home run. And this home run wasn't, oh, hey, they pulled it together at the end of the three matches. 
I liked almost the whole card, except for maybe that Joshi women's tag match, which to me was awful. To other people, they loved it. That's fine. Look, they're trying to give something for everybody. You're going to have hits or misses. And again, it's not like there wasn't production misses. There were. But I don't know how you can come out of that show, regardless of which side of the line. And by the way, not trying to put anything over. I've got about 5,000 DMs in the last five days of people who were like, dude, I thought you were the biggest blowhard. I hated you and your bed sheets. You suck. Silver King was right. Saturday night. I've realized you were right all along because this show won people over. And it wasn't because the last three matches, it wasn't a tale of two shows like you tweeted out, Silver King. It was a great show, top to bottom, that peaked at the end, won you over, wanted, left you wanting more, and felt like anything could happen, which is the exact opposite of what you feel when you watch WWE. You're almost prepared to be let down watching WWE. So anyone on Twitter going, oh, it was okay, but uh, I've seen a lot of that in WWE. But have you seen it under this setting? where they're aiming to win you over. They're not aiming to troll you. Well, that's the difference. They are trying to win you over. And they did a significantly fantastic job, an exceedingly well job doing that to close the show. And again, that's what matters the most. So any comments about the first half of the show, which I do have plenty of comments about the first half of the show, those don't lessen the success of the second half of the show, which again is the most important part. But if you can't draw a line, down the middle of that show or or maybe two-thirds of the way of that show and then one-third at the end. And you can't recognize that the final third of that show had four WWE superstars, the two best tag teams in the world, arguably, and the number one best wrestler in the world. And then realize the other two-thirds of that show were okay by comparison. They didn't really accomplish much. They didn't necessarily get me caring about anyone except MJF and Adam Page, who I already cared about. Then I look at that show and I'm like, look, the first two thirds, I was I was not disappointed. My expectations were kind of met. I was like, two thirds, dude. This show got better two- every single match. That best friends and Helico and Jack Evans match, which I had no expectations for, was insanely good. The one on one women's four way at the end between Britt and, and uh, Kylie Ray left me wanting more. Even that SoCal uncensored opener, which I thought fell a little bit flat for what you would want a strong opener to do, it's still everything peaked upward as you went along. I don't know how you can leave that show knowing the history, knowing the splash, and come out on Twitter and be like, well, yeah, you know, the first half kind of sucked and they didn't put anybody over. Okay, they, put a, they put a ton over. Didn't say that on Twitter. said that personally. Uh, but what I did say is that the first two-thirds of that show, and I say thirds because it was nine matches, and I'm talking about the final three and the first six, kind of met my expectation, which was this is a new company. They're going to have some growing pains. And I, li- I enjoyed it. I thought it was good, but it, I didn't think it was otherworldly. It didn't change my worldview. However, the last third was phenomenal, and there's nothing wrong with having that opinion. And honestly, most people agreed with me. I would say at least the tweets that I received completely agreed with me. Yeah, your circle of WWE homers were fired up to crap on this. They were waiting for the moment. Silver yeah, King. Break the tie, because it's, well, it's not me being a homer here. Look, you, you can't tell me. The steak tastes great. You can't tell me the fork and knife are cheap. You got to just go. You got to go for it. You can have a great hey. You can have a great steak with a a knife that's not very sharp and a fork that's a little too short. You can. But here's here's what is scary about AEW. Two things that are that's scary about AEW, and I I've I've seen some W diehard WWE fans I knew I know on Twitter who were bashing the show going in and praising it coming out. What they are trying to do is be something for everyone. And one thing, I, BC, I know you probably, they hit a home run in that department. They gave somebody on Saturday night a little bit of everything they can enjoy. 
Now, the, the scary part for me about AEW is that was their first show. They haven't been on TV yet. They've been criticized as just nothing more than a T-shirt company. Everything, everything they do in these beginning stages is trial and error. They put on a show in the MGM Grand on Saturday night with 13,000 people. That was essentially trial and error. And they still knocked it out of the park. That, to me, is absurd. Where they could have that magnitude of a show, then have the opportunity to take a step back and say, okay, what worked, what didn't? I want to listen to CBS podcast. What did they like? What did they did not like? I want to look at Twitter. What what did they like? What what they hated? The, like That, to me, is scary in what sets them apart from every other company that's ever tried to start up against WWE from the lowest level to the top level is that everything right now is trial and error. Like, I I am, I am, can almost assure you that when we get to Fighter Fest on June 29th, you're going to notice some slight tweaks to stuff that maybe you did. Maybe you saw a mass of people were unhappy with. They're going to tweak it a little bit. Right. You saw yesterday. Some people are going to have to take one for the team, just like Fight Fest, right? Or Fight, or, or Fight Festival. I mean, come on. How, how quick did it take yesterday for them to, for someone in the company to throw a copyright claim against TDE Wrestling on Twitter and for Matt Jackson to go on and say, hold on, I'm going to fix this. Right. But but they are like, we complain about WWE all the time. You're not listening to us. You're, or you only listen to us once in a while with like a Kofi Kingston storyline right. or Dana Bryan storyline. Whereas these guys are doing everything in their power to show you, you want this, we'll give it to you. We will find a way one way or another. All right, so I, got, I got really important questions for both of you. But first, we got to throw it over to our friends and sponsors. Enjoy. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, and we're back. We're right in the middle of this heated discussion, breaking down all things AEW, double or nothing. We'll get to the WWE response in a second. Silver King, I know you want to retort at me. Hold that thought. I got one quick question for you, Jack. We only nearly need one word, all right? We draw a line in the sand on this show to say who my family and I will serve ultimately, okay? I've got a question for you that comes from one of our female listeners. I'm all in. Are you all in, Brian? Oh, come on. I'm, I'm, I'm more than Jack, which side of history are you on right now? I'm on AEW side. All right. I am. That, that they did enough for me on Saturday night. I'm in. All right. Adam, I look, you can say all you want. You were a day one-ish on the revolution. I want to give you a chance to explain yourself. Our listeners, though, you think I'm critical of you. Our listeners are critical of you. I got one DM coming in I want you to respond to. Kentucky Long Rifle. What is that, an email? It is, John. It's from Jordan at Won't Do the Job. Adam, do we know him? Is he, is he, is he part of the family or is this an outsider? 
I don't care if he's about to attack me. Just read the damn. Oh wow, look how defensive Silver King just blocked this guy before well, you even saying, heard hey, the question. You're saying, hey Adam, someone's about to attack attack you. Do you know him? No, I don't care. Read Adam, it. How oh. many people do you have blocked? A lot. Three. A lot of our listeners. A lot of them. Three. He says, BC. I started listening to the SOC because I was a fan of the WWE. A lot like Adam, yeah. It was per your recommendation through the radio waves that I sought out NJPW and what the elite was doing. I want to thank you for introducing me to the revolution, a piece of the meat I sincerely enjoy. I am pretty sure that AEW is God's gift to pro wrestling. Wow, time out. He said that, not me, by the way. And with one pay-per-view, they have me hooked. Long live the revolution. Long live the SOC. Also, Silver King stands on the wrong side of history if he denies... That AEW is the real revolution and is true competition to the WWE. That's really what I want you to answer right there, Adam. Which side are you on from the standpoint that AEW is the real revolution and that they are true competition to WWE from Jordan at won't do the job? Okay, I thought this was an attack. It's a question, not an attack. Uh, Yes, it is. I mean, it has to be based on what we just saw. But just because something is good... And again, a third of the show is fantastic. Not good. Fantastic. Doesn't mean we can't be sober in our analysis about it. Just as excited as I got for Kofi Kingston winning the title at WrestleMania and all the other things that I love in WWE, I equally am critical of the things that aren't very good or don't fall above or don't meet expectation. And that's the same analysis and criticism and praise that I'm giving AEW. So I don't see why I'm not allowed to have that opinion. Because you put the black lining on the silver cloud every single time. So, so like, I have to be 100% positive. No, but, the, but the, the analysis coming out of this show is, holy crap, we have something here. They hit a giant home run. Whether you so were revolution or not. Identical to yours. Whether, whether you were revolution or not, coming, out of, coming into this, like we all, we all wanted to see what happened. They kicked us right in the feel hole. So you can't come out of that with, oh, well, they didn't put anybody over. First of all, they put over a ton of people. You may know Adam Page because you watch BTE. Most wrestling fans that only watch WWE do not. He's a title level star and they put over brian they put over people who are on their show okay adam let me stop you right there on day one of your company when whether you will admit it or not you are competing with wwe you are you 100 percent are you're not gonna put over the best stars that you have what are you kidding me they did that 100 maybe not 100 percent of them are you not going to try to develop any new kenny omega when didn't even win they're not even on television. So, okay, so, you so you're saying, about? so you're saying, because I would have booked it differently, I'm wrong. No, that, but because but, I would have put, excuse me, excuse me, because I would have put the strong hearts over and given this organization who I'm partnering with a win over SEU. Who, what would that have changed? No, I'm but, wrong because I would have put the Lucha. I know they have the AAA match coming up back in Mexico, but because I would have put the Lucha Brothers over. I'm wrong. That was your criticism. That was your reaction on Twitter to the it's show. My opinion. Yeah, I didn't but- even say, Brian. I didn't even say that on Twitter. Well, I, I didn't. Right. Yes, you did. Rob, no, I didn't. From, it's like, like, like I, I do get what you're trying to say, but you're also coming from like a WWE type standpoint. No, I'm not. Where I'm coming from you're a wrestling like, fan. Oh, what are these guys going to do with them on Tuesday Night Dynamite, which doesn't even air right I now? Didn't even say that. Like, you, why showcase. are you putting words into my mouth? Do you need it's a timeout, Silver King? You it's very to... frustrating when you're saying things that I am not saying. I'm only going by your tweets and your in your DM slacks. That's all I can go by. Your words. In Slack, in Slack, yes, I said, guys, I wasn't thrilled that they didn't put everyone over. I didn't put that out into public as a criticism of the show. That's something we're discussing internally. You know what I also did in Slack? 
Jack and Brian, I screamed mocks. I said, oh my God, that was an amazing you know, move. I was excited about the show. So why can't the Silver King love something and be critical about it? Because what you're telling me and what AEW fans on Twitter and on Reddit and everywhere else, you cannot be critical about this company because they are for the fans and God forbid you criticize them. No, no, it's, it's, your, first foot, it's your first foot forward, Adam. It's, it's your not, style. You say the key will be developing the young roster, creating new stars. Um, they yes. just did that. I've got 50 DMs about MJF. Everyone's talking about, hey, I've heard of Britt Baker. I've never seen her wrestle before, and now I need to see her against Kylie. They pushed over new stars. Not everybody knows Adam Page. They, they, they did it. The key to them going forward, in, put that in parentheses, the key for AEW going forward is to create new stars, not just push their biggest names that are on being the elite. Right now, BC, what are we getting for, for these upcoming match, these upcoming matches that we know? We're basically getting Janela, who's a good exception, actually, that they're putting him with Mox at Fighter Fest. It's going to be great. Very excited about that. But outside of that, it's Jericho, Hangman, Kenny, the Young Bucks. It's the same people. I'm not saying you have to go away from them. What I'm saying is you have all this other talent, and you're trying to create a company where you're saying, you know what? Here... In AEW, we're not going to hold you down. We're going to allow you to break out and, and become stars and, and create all this stuff. But if they're not putting anyone over or, the, or they're not giving people opportunities to be in matches with some of these bigger stars off the bat, then what you're telling your fans is they're simply not as important as these other guys who are featuring. And the top part of their roster is very sh- – it's great, but it's very shallow. So you need to though. do this. So my, my, my opinion coming out of the show, my opinion coming out of the show was that was a fantastic show. The last three matches were great. I hope in the future they are going to learn that they need to develop these younger stars. If you would have tweeted it like that, people would have reacted differently, Adam. But when that. you come out with, I saw two very different shows tonight and the key will be developing young stars, they did. I did see two different shows. That, but that, but that, see, that, that was a good explanation. It, it was. But what I'm see, like what I'm saying is like when you're going to get to the argument of who's getting put over and who's not. Remember, I said this is all trial and error. This is see what works, what doesn't. Like we came out of Saturday night. Holy crap! MJF is going to be a superstar, and if he's not in this business, it's a it's it's a crime right. if MJF isn't a huge star. Front row smacked out last night. You aren't MJF on the hard cam for half the damn show. Yeah, it's one, it's one mark, but yeah. But but still, but the buzz around him on Twitter and everything was great. My thing is, and like I said, where the patience comes in, where then we can have these discussions when their product becomes consistent. Like they take this double or nothing. They take Fighter Fest. They take Fight for the Fallen. And especially the, the, the grand finale, they take all out. And then I think what they should do and what they may do is then bundle everything together and say, okay, here's who's going. Here's who's not. Here's who's going to take a step back. Here's who's going to take a step up. Like my my thing, I get what you're trying to say, Adam. But my thing is, I don't think you can have the who's getting put over and who's not argument just right now. On night one, in the fall, yeah. When they're trying let to win laps, let me, let me fans over. Reply. Let me just quickly reply. I'm, I know it's your show. I'm really sorry. I just want to reply to Jack. That was something I said in one line in Slack. I didn't put this huge. And I, yeah, I tweeted like, I hope that they start putting these younger guys over. That wasn't a huge argument. It wasn't a huge criticism. I was simply saying, look, on this show, they put over all of their stars, and I thought the final third was significantly better than the first two thirds. That's not me crapping on anything. It's me saying this is my perspective after watching this show, and I don't see what's wrong with that. 
And to your point, like to say I wouldn't criticize, to, to say I would never criticize AEW after Cody won and after the Bucks won. I did cringe a little bit when I was like, okay, if Kenny goes over Jericho, this isn't a, the best look. Great like, I, 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 like I'll let them, but it wouldn't be the best look. But then at the end, they went, oh, okay. All right. All right. Brian, let me pose you a question. I love you know, it. you've been asking me and I've been on trial here when this is really should be you singing, you know, the praises of AEW. The, peop, the people, the, look, the people came at me on DMs. They're like, you got, we got to find out where Adam stands on this. We well, gave fine, you the, that's fine. The, I know, but, but this should be about you. It's your show. Your name is on the marquee. I have a legitimate, really good question. And I'm actually very curious about your reply here. If John Moxley did not come out after that main event, are you nearly as excited as you are today? No, certainly. See the John Moxley thing, what it did is it, is it just went next level. And I didn't realize in the moment how great that pop was until I went back and watched it. Like, Guys, this is a Steve Austin pop. I'm not even fooling around. Yes, it, was. it was an insane I, pop. Yeah. And the thing was, it was a guy that we already all know. And I've got 7,000 DMs from people saying, I hate Dean Ambrose. And now <laughs> I love John Moxley. And it was because it was a perfectly handled surprise. We thought it might come in the Battle Royal. Like you were saying to me offline, Adam, in hindsight, that would have been a really bad idea to bring out the Ambrose reveal so early. They hit it so brilliantly. I thought they hit it after a really good match in Kenny, uh, Kenny Chris Jericho too. I saw some criticism on it. That's fine if you don't like it. Kenny sold the hell out in that match. They went for it. If that Moxley moment didn't happen, I still would have told you that the whole card was a success. I still would have been excited about the future. But what the Moxley did thing was it made you high as hell. First of all. Second of all, it made you need their show right now. It made you like. They, they did an NJPW ending. They took it to a whole, they did an old school WWF ending. They took it to an, a higher level than you expected it could go. And now you're like, not only do I have to see Hangman Page Jericho, which is brilliant booking because you use Jericho's name before he gets too old to put over Hangman without sacrificing Kenny because a Kenny loss to Jericho doesn't matter as much because he's a legend. And then you set up Kenny Moxley, which is your first significant have to see, have to have feud. So, it took it to such a higher level, and I mentioned being high. I have not been this purely organically excited as a wrestling fan than I was Saturday night. I could not go to sleep. I was legitimately had a physical body high, like I put chemicals in my body because I'm 40 years old and I have more wrestling t-shirts than I have dress shirts, and I am a Mark Kevin Owens. I know you don't want me to say that, but I am, and I live and die for this stuff each week, and Saturday night made me believe Anything is possible again. Like my time could get rewarded. So yes, Adam, without Moxley, I don't have a negative response. I have a, you know what? That was a pretty damn great show. With Moxley, I have, I'm ready to say it. It's a war and it's a competition. Not commercial. We're not going to do 83 weeks of better ratings, but we may do 83 weeks of critically approved where I liked AEW more than I liked WWE. And by the way, this was week one and AEW wins. Well, yeah, I don't think there's any shock that the product was good, especially the final three matches. But but what I want to what I wanted to get at was that point. And you said it. You the, your response is what I was hoping you would say, which is let's realize what really changed the tide of that show, and it was bringing in legitimately one of the maybe four most popular men and maybe five or six most popular superstars. That was created by WWE. And the timing worked out. If you heard the talk is Jericho interview with John Moxley today, um, 
today being Wednesday, it's fantastic. And I don't know if both of you heard the entirety yes, of it. Maybe yep. we'll talk about it. Good, good. We'll talk about it. But the timing worked out so perfectly. And WWE screwed up to such a degree that they kept putting this guy on TV and kept pushing him and gave him a grand farewell that the fans kept seeing him and kept saying, what is happening with Dean Ambrose that one minute after his contract expires, he put out that video on Twitter and 20, however many days, 26 days after his contract expired, he shows up on their new competitor. The timing of that was so perfect and the way they presented him was so perfect that it took the pay-per-view, it took this first event to another level that without it, I don't think we're talking about it or holding it in the same esteem. And it's not fair to say that because it was part of it and it yeah. deserve it deserves that praise, yeah. but we shouldn't lose sight of that. And I just want to make that point. And that's again, I hate that I have to clarify. That's not me hating on AEW. It's a reasoned opinion that, Hey, they brought in one of WWE's five biggest superstars. And that's what put it over the top. Look, I know, I, I know I joke and maybe I'm the only one. Who, I haven't seen anybody say this yet. And I don't know how, but my my wrestling brain works in weird ways. BC, you know this. We have enough conversations. But, you know, when, when, when Moxie came out, well, number one, that was needed because the, the, even though they might deflect from it a little bit, the narrative with AEW is that they are legitimate competition to WWE. And what was WCW? Bringing in WWE, that was their shock value to put them over the top. Bringing in top four to five. Yeah. When did... BC, do you remember exactly when, and this just freaked me out, maybe coincidence, uh, the John Moxley thing, people said, ah, Stone Cold moment. I said, no, 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 no. That's a Scott Hall moment. Wow. When did Scott Hall show up on Nitro? Memorial Day. Before Bash of the Peach, yes. Memorial Day Nitro was when Scott Hall, in a cutoff vest, made his Oh my God, Jack, when his fight festival. John Moxley. Daytona fight John Moxley in a cutoff vest come through the same way through the crowd that Hall did on Memorial Day weekend. And the next show was Bash at the Beach in Daytona. And the next show for AEW is in Daytona. Uh, this uh, is I'm not tinfoil. Head I here, thought you were going to Lex Luger me at the mall. Oh, I'm like, no, no Lex Luger, no mall of America. The difference between those two is it being 2019. Now, the fact that they were able to keep it that secret. And by the way, completely lie to Dave Meltzer, having him think that Moxley was out doing a movie, which he talked yeah. about on Talk is Jericho, by the well, way. Well, hold and, on. And they either, well, yeah, they either lied to him or he did it on purpose. Okay, anyone that, that saw the footage that leaked of StarCast, where Meltzer was on stage there, and they asked him about, will Ambrose sign with AEW? Jack, you saw this video. Dave yeah. Meltzer's, quote-unquote, his lie, his response of, well, right, right. we don't know, it could happen, was so badly acted, it's like, yes. it's... Sorry, they bad. had Meltzer lie for them, whatever the case. But the fact that they were able to keep it relatively quiet, right? And it's comparative because back then, it's not so much that they were able to keep it as quiet. People knew that this was happening, but the internet was at its infancy. It wasn't what it is now. Yeah. So people in the arena were just as surprised. Exactly. And they got yeah. that and they got that same kind of reaction from the arena and from the viewer at home who was like, "Wait a minute, what's happening here?" The difference is WWE any WWE fan that was watching this you know, knew his contract was up and knew that was a possibility. But, let's but not, it was still exciting. And let's not miss on the impact of what that was. Dean Ambrose didn't come out like John Moxley didn't. And we'd seen this video of him and we saw and we knew his history pre-WWE and the kind of wrestler he wants to be. So to see him come out with the Stone Cold Swagger and be all badass, 
and then instantly align himself in a feud with, with Omega. Look, the last couple of years, we spent so much time on the show going, well, who's better? Is it Omega in Japan or is it the top WWE guy in the moment? Imagine if they actually squared off. Now we're going to see it. I mean, it has that... Uh, to go back to the Nash, you know, Hall and Nash thing, it does have that feeling of this is where the big boys play. We're crossing the street. But I think the timing of all of this this week, that's why I called this week so historic, so insane to be a wrestling fan. You're not only at AWE, AEW hitting a home run giant. You got your Hall and Nash Moxley moment. You have WWE, which we're going to break down in detail, punt. Complete. Fourth and 17, Sean Landetta comes out with a coffin corner. Punt and non-compete this week. And then you have what you mentioned, Adam, which is the John Moxley podcast on Chris Jericho, which is a must listen. And there's a lot of shots he takes at Vince, and he basically exposes WWE creative, not in ways we didn't know, but even more importantly, essentially proving right all the ways we assume WWE actually runs and the way it's crooked. The same stuff you hear from fired writers when they do angry podcasts. The same stuff if you read Justin Roberts' book. It really just puts it all as this madman Vince. So... Remember when the season was right for WCW and NWO to launch in the mid-90s and actually compete? The reason why the season was right, because the business was down. Vince had a cartoonish product. Everyone had to have a job. Storyline sucked. There were no really good matches on regular TV. All this was coming forth to a bland, somewhat garbage product. And what did WCW do? They kind of just came at you with real stuff. Things that felt edgy, real, a gang faction in NWO. Because the, the season was ripe for it. Because Vince wasn't adjusting to the times. He was booking 1989 and 1990 styles, but doing bad versions of it in 94 and 95. Well, what's happening right now? Vince is the problem with WWE because he's booking like it's 2002 or 3 or sometimes even worse. He's trying to constantly change the game in ways that make no sense. He's not doing pro wrestling, as he famously said in the, in the documentary. He's making movies. And when you're 73 years old and you're stubborn and you have so much financial success and no one can tell you any differently, you're the problem. That's right now, why right now, whether you want to argue and say they'll never compete because real competition is only commercial, and I'm not saying either of you have that argument, but I get that a lot on Twitter, the season is ripe for this right now, and it's Vince's fault. You ever see the, the, the documentaries on Foxcatcher? What's that weirdo's name? Yes, yes. What, John, uh, what was DuPont? John DuPont? DuPont, yeah. Vince is John DuPont right now. He's got all these wrestlers well, living uh, in his house <laughs> and, and playing with them at, like pawns and making them do what he wants. It was heartbreaking to hear an artiste like Ambrose say, I didn't even look at the contract. It wasn't about the money. They are ruining my love for the game by watering me down. And look, guys, I don't know if AEW will be the end all. But you know what they are? They're a door and a beacon of light that in 2019, the best wrestling in the world should be unscripted. It should be fan friendly and it should be trying to invade your feel hole rather than kicking you down. And then every month buying you a diamond ring and saying, I'm sorry. Well, the reason AEW, I think, has an opportunity for success, I don't think it's going to steal WWE audience. But they have said from the beginning they're going after is that lapsed fan. They're going after the people who used to watch wrestling and stopped because it became crappy for one reason or another. What I, the one thing in that interview, and it was really just Moxley talking. It, it was really a soliloquy. It, it, Jericho asked like three questions the entire time. The, the thing that interested, interested me, that I wish I was there or you were there or an interviewer was there to ask them, is when did this actually change? And, and Jericho kind of hinted it was after Vince bought 
WCW, but the product was still pretty good for a few years after that. It really has only been since maybe 31, WrestleMania 31, that it's gotten progressively worse year by year. And in the I don't time know. before, no, in the time before that, it wasn't great, but it's it was the same. I might go back to about 06 is where I felt like it really, you know, even 05, where I felt like, yeah, you had moments that brought you back, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, Launch of the Shield, a couple things in between. But remember how bad even those WrestleManias were during that stretch? I know 24, WrestleMania 24 was great, and that little season, that pocket was great. I mean, Jack, it, it seems like... After the, 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 they bought WCW, they lived off of those stars for a while. You still had Rock. You still had Austin for a little bit. You still had old guys lingering. But once those guys went away, we got into full, Vince, this is my sandbox. These are my toys, and I'm just going to play with them and restrict anyone else from doing anything creatively. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like they bought WCW, and it was. I agree with Adam. Like for, it, was, it, was, it was in a pretty good period at, that, at the time. But then there was a time where it dipped off. But, I mean, don't forget, the whole WCW thing was botched from the start because the big stars couldn't get out of their right. uh, contracts to even come over. Ric Flair was the only one who said, you know what, screw that. I just want to go back to work. The, the invasion, he was the only one. Who, they botched the invasion because yeah, they, rushed, they rushed it. Yeah, because Flair was the only one who said, you know what, I just want to go back to work. So, I, But the rest of them were like, hey, I'll sit home and collect a paycheck, which personally I would have done too. But, no, and, and, but like you said, BC, there's just been – Maybe you're right from about 04, 05 on. There's just these spurts where it's like, okay, I'm into it. And it just dies down. And it's like, okay, I'm into it. And, then and But, it's Jack, it's a, always like, one it's or two storylines. It's really across the board. They've been butchering things for a while, meaning that ECW thing could have been something, right? And they butchered yes. it. There's been, like, you get your one or two or three hot storylines, and sometimes it's organic and out <laughs> of Vince's hands. Well, but for the most part, we've been let down knowing they could do better and then not, and then not doing better and to have this happen now in 2019 when the entire business around them is hot and if they look under their own hood they'd realize that NXT is actually the best thing in the world and they can't realize that it's it's mind numbing and here's the scary part for WWE diehards who really want this to turn around that's a big difference maker from that time and even the mid 90s when WWE is coming up WWE has bullets in the chamber they have now BC please don't kill me WWE has the most talented roster right now in oh, professional un- wrestling. There's not a doubt in my mind. Like AEW love them. We just WWE had they have the bullets in the chamber. But can anyone get Vince to pull the trigger? Or what's it gonna take for them to say, Vince, you have got to just pull that and let go? What's it gonna what, what it's gonna take is having someone else's finger on the trigger and not Vince. And that's what Moxley really explained to us. Because what he told us in that interview today on Talk is Jericho, and I'm going to put it over because you have to listen to this. It's only 90 minutes, and it confirms every single thing. And I'm not saying BC and I are geniuses, although we are, but it's it's things that every podcaster and every WWE critic was talking about. When, they saw, when we saw Dean Ambrose come back and we said, oh, my God, that heel turn was genius on the night Roman Reigns announced his leukemia, who would ever think of that? And then from there. And he didn't even mention that actually on the show. He didn't, he didn't talk about that because it was pretty genius. But everything else was completely downhill. And every moment we watched Dean Ambrose on screen with a gas mask or getting injected in the ass with a needle or whatever the case, and we cringed and we said, how can he do this? They're ruining him. They're killing what should be a WrestleMania angle between Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. He felt the exact same way. And he told us what we ex- expected but weren't positive about 
that he fought for it tooth and nail the entire time. And no one in the world should be surprised that that needle injection skit was when he decided, I'm out, this is horrible, I'm done. But BC, to talk to your point briefly, WWE's entire problem over this period of time has been its inability and it's their own fault to develop new stars. And it's not to say CM Punk didn't get over organically. Daniel Bryan, Becky Lynch, Kofi Kingston, organically. We're talking about the insistence on Vince McMahon of two things. One, that his product become PG, which naturally watered it down. You can still have a PG product and make it edgy, but he watered it down. And the insistence that John Cena had to be this godlike Hulk Hogan figure who couldn't get beat, and anyone who stepped up to him, good or bad, heel or face, he eventually had to beat him. And then he transitioned to that with Roman Reigns. And he did the exact same thing, and he failed. Yeah. And because of that, and because of the Brock Lesnar piece as well, which Dean Ambrose mentioned, he, and he said it under his breath, but basically said, Lesnar's ruining the company. Because of those three, and no fault on Reigns' part, really, but because of those three, there has been a lack of character development, yeah. main event talent development, and the fans got bored. And look, this, and to piggyback on that, the point that we bring up a lot in the show and the difference between NXT and main roster, it comes down to what Ambrose said. He was every week killing himself to go to Vince's office and wait outside for an hour to argue against something in the script that would make his character look like an idiot, that would water down his character. You know why none of these things work on the main roster? Because Vince's MO, outside of the two or three guys that he's going to push to the moon, is to 50-50 book you, but kill your character through stupid attempts at comedy, but always stupid. Why do things like the Vaude Villains can get over or the Ascension NXT? Because they're always presented as as strong as possible. Even if they lose, their characters have strength and credibility. Vince's style is to treat you like a toy in a sandbox and remove your credibility. And I think Dean ultimately nailed that's as big of a problem as anything else. Yeah, his his Vince's utter just need for control that once worked, and that's the thing. And I, I I'll always truly believe this about him that national expansion in '85 that just that that will always stick with him because he will always believe in his mind. I did it before; I could do it again. And it's just Vince, you can't. You, you it's not going to happen for you. Yeah, he's, but, a, he's undefeated. But even during but even during the Attitude Era. He wasn't doing it by himself. It was a small circle. You know, Pritchard talks about it. Russo talks about it. It was and Cornette a little bit. It was a small circle that pitched ideas back and forth. They chose the best ones. Vince ultimately yep. had final say, and it's his company, and he should have final say. I'm okay in 2019 that he has final say. The problem, and you and I have talked about it on recent pods, Brian, is you don't need 37 writers, you don't need producers, and you don't need to script promos. If you want to direct your talent – and control storylines, that's fine. But you give them five bullet points. This is what you need to get across in your promo. Go do it. Yeah, and well, that the, is the difference is different. in the 90s, there was financial desperation to allow yeah. somebody like a Steve Austin or a Rock to become them because you just gave them a chance. Go out and win over the crowd. You know, go out and win the war for us. Nowadays, you have Vince trying to control everything. But we got to roll forward on the idea of competition. And a big part in that competition was the move by Cody Rhodes before the match with Dustin. We're going to talk about that match in a second, but there, that was a emblematic. He was making a giant statement, pulling out the sledgehammer, knocking over the Triple H throne. It said a lot of things to different people. It had a very polarizing reaction on Twitter. Adam, we have a, a, a member of our 
Stratosphere here that has a question for you about your Twitter response. Let's bring him in. We know this guy. At least I love this guy. I don't know about you anymore. Cody R. Masters, the chef to the stars, who was backstage at All In. He was on the show at the Cody Masters. He says, look, after a restless night, laying in bed excited about the future of the industry, all of us dedicate way too much time and emotion toward... I'm really only left contemplating the words of one Mr. Silver King upon the epic entrance of Cody, perfectly balancing the duality <laughs> of taking a literal and metaphorical sledgehammer to an era that needs to be put to rest. This is the first tweet I see from Silver King. Sorry, that gets a emoji frown from me. Brother oh, BC. I, I roll. I roll. Sorry. Brother BC, I have to ask. I have to ask loudly and aggressively. What more do you want? Last week, you, Adam, and so many others go off on tirades about the lameness of the 24-7 title. By the way, Cody, Adam was right. But then you get this served to you and you hate on it? As an executive chef, let me tell you something, dude. This was dry-aged, Kobe, grass-fed, season-just-right, medium-rare perfection. Come on! That moment was so much fun. It's the antithesis of what we all sit here and complain about each week. It's what we've been asking for, begging for. Jericho, call me a mark all you want because I wear it with pride. I loved every second of this, even down to Brandy screaming, break it down. My man, it doesn't get much better than this. The revolution just kicked down the damn floor and paved the way to a future so brightly soaked in BC towel rack, hard way, crimson glory that if you want, but when you wear yourself out and want to come join us on the right side of history, we won't judge. So hate all you want. We won't hold past discretions against you, Adam, because we're happy. We're finally happy. We will welcome you with open arms, and we will all bathe in the righteousness of AEW's glory. Now, Adam, look, Cody Masters, he was fired the hell up, okay? But the point of this is what's your true take on Cody's move of bashing Triple H's throne and what that symbolized? Well, let me reply to the DM. DM was great, but it was a horrible take. It's very simple. That was, and I don't like using this word because it's it's like, trendy and it's also like a horrible word that was so cringy and so corny and it was proof that wwe and paul levesque lives rent free no you still have twitter. cody you still Rose left from twitter head i've seen that tweet Period. about 17 times yeah i'm not making it up i'm not, it's true though so here's and, where and it's you wrong know, and brian and brian you know why you saw it 17 times because the vast majority of people thought that was garbage All and right. i know jack agrees with me because we talked about it it was terrible it was not necessary and when you're starting a company you don't need to go out and do that when the vast majority of people i think in the audience too maybe i'm wrong i don't remember the reaction but like groaned over it all right here, here's, be here's yourself be your own brand go out and have a great match with your brother here's Come why on. that was actually awesome now look i wouldn't have done it, it wasn't awesome. are there elements to it that was cringy like you're saying yes but yeah. overall here's why it worked and here's why it's awesome number one it fit in the storyline of the match that they're trying to tell. The reason why Cody's fighting his brother in this match is because Cody was held back within WWE under Trips and Vince because he wasn't part of the Attitude Era. And they'd always bring back those Attitude guys and they'd steal the thunder of the guys who were actually there. So in symbolizing, he's beating down his brother in this match to kill that era and launch a new one, which is AEW and Cody and all that. The symbolism so wasn't lost on anyone. symbolism, he's going out there, <laughs> Triple H, the face of the Attitude Era, who's still in control, and bashes it. So number one, it works in that sense. Yeah, it was a little bit corny. Number two, it was freaking, <laughs> it was freaking hilarious, okay? Number three, Cody's a heel, by the way. Number four, for everybody who took the take you just gave, Adam, and actually went even higher with it, and was like, that's so petty. Oh my God, they're living in his head. Um, were you not watching the Hall of Fame ceremony when Triple H fo 
went out there and called AEW a pissant organization. I'm not saying that was he the was most in the ring with Billy Gunn. I'm not saying that was the most insulting thing ever. But that's WWE going out of their way to recognize AEW and throw a shot at them. So if this was retribution to that, you can understand. And last point, Brian. And look. They didn't. They didn't throw the first punch by the with retro, the piss the retro, they, they had they they had Frankie Kazarian dressed up as Triple H on like seven episodes I'm of just being saying, the Elite. They it, had letters. They had letters from Triple H going and trying to recruit all these guys. They already got their shots in right. WWE. But for the okay. point of anyone Come trying on. to say it, hold on. For the point of anyone trying to say it was petty, it's like, what about Triple H's comment? So let's put it wasn't that. Petty. All right, it wasn't but let's petty. put that. Here's the main point of why it was great. Because this is a war, guys. I don't care if you're opening up. A corner store in the front of your house that sells only cigarettes, milk, and bread. You're going to tell me, well, we're not competing against Walmart. You are competing against Walmart. You're trying to get customers to go to your store instead of there. This is competition. This is a war. Would I run my business this way? Maybe not. But as a fan, do I want an actual war where they're taking shots at each other and they're trying to one-up each other? Yes. Why wouldn't you want that as a it fan? It, it why wouldn't petty. you pop for I, that? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I thought you were. Done. No, I'm just uh, closing. Like, why, why? Why wouldn't that be awesome? That's the '90s. But the, I'm not saying it was petty because you. I know you said. I know you didn't say I said that. I'm not saying it's petty, but I am saying it was corny and it was bad and it was. It just it it didn't go well. And if you watched Being the Elite, the rehearsal of it at least went better than it actually <laughs> yeah, went. Yeah. It, 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 it failed. In it had every a shock master like reveal. Yeah it, yeah. it failed in every execution of it. And, and uh, yes, Brian, the symbolism is not lost on anyone, but it was just so unnecessary. The whole symbolism is go beat your brother who was gold dust, who represents that era. You don't need triple H's throne there. All that's doing is reminding people of WWE and triple H. I mean, did, did it, See, I saw it for, I actually saw it for both your viewpoints, actually, which is why it's good to have me here every once in a while. Did I think it was corny and maybe a little unnecessary? Yeah, because we just got done talking about the impact of John Moxley showing up in top four WWE. That's enough to trigger the war. That's enough to show them. However, did I think from a sports entertainment standpoint that Cody doing that was hilarious? I was dying here on the couch. I was laughing so hard. Yeah, I had to put, right. I, I, I work some, our wrestling events, guys, I'll bet this with the computer in my lap. I had to pick the computer up, put it down on the table because I was laughing so hard. You know, I like, I, said, I like his take. You know what Cody once said about uh, Jack? One of the best guys you'll ever meet. Huge hog. But, right on. But, but again, my point stands, BC, I'm sorry, but like the, the whole war thing, like, ah, oh, you got to show it's a war. John Moxley walking through that crowd and getting in that ring and then cutting that promo yes. afterward yes. saying this is a declaration of right. war. No one's going to stand in AEW's way, which, by the way, I didn't like. Didn't like that. Oh, no, no. You got, look, you got like to swing, dude. You have to go for no, it. No, no, no. Don't have him cape for the company. That See, to me, that was a bad decision. Yeah, I but agree. I agree with that. That was a bad decision. The promo was great. Sands that. Five yep. seconds. Yep. But – but yeah, but to me, BC, that was enough. Like you literally had this guy show up. Then he goes and cuts a promo declaring the war. So was it necessary for Cody to go there? Nah, no. And by and by the way, if you're gonna do that, if we're fixing the booking like we always like to do, we book the damn territory on the show. You know what you do after the match is over when he's bloody, he's walking back up the ramp. You wheel out the throne. You have Cody sit on the throne, then grab a sledgehammer and destroy it after the match. Not before it took away from the start of that match because you're thinking and everyone's tweeting and talking about, oh, my God, that was so dumb. That was so yeah, stupid. Or or, oh, my God, I love that or whatever the case. 
but it's taking away. I was not into so that. So, Adam, match do you want to take it away from that hug at the end, which we're going to talk about in a second? Which yeah, was but like... I was I was legitimately not into that match, I would say, for a good 10 minutes because I was talking to Jack. We were making fun of that. I was seeing what people were tweeting. I was not paying attention to the start of that match wow. because of that, and I thought it was poorly done on top of being corny. So, I mean, it, it was failure, 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 and then, wow, a holy, holy crap, a great match. Dude, look, here's the thing. It is a war, whether they want to admit it or not, whether WWE wants to admit that they're watching or caring or not. And I've made the Star Wars comparisons at a lot, a lot of times on the build to this revolution. I know neither of you play this game, so you guys can back out for a second. But just to keep score, Cody Rhodes is the Luke Skywalker in this rebellion. All right. Chris Jericho, the hired gun is Han Solo. The Young Bucks are C-3PO and R2-D2. Hangman Page is Chewbacca. Triple H is Darth Vader. Why? Because he may be working for the enemy right now, but he used to be one of us, and we know that he wants to be one of us again. Obviously, Vince is Emperor Palpatine. Dean Ambrose is Finn, by the way. used to be a soldier with the bad guys, broke free, came to the good side, and Jabba the Hutt is Viscera. But we can how move is, on from how there. Is Triple H, how is Triple H Darth Vader when you say he wants to be one of us, but he has a product that is what we want? Because they, because the dark side won't let him be who he actually wants to be. Anakin only turned bad, in theory, out of his want to save people. He lost his mother, he lost his wife, couldn't save them, so he got in bed with, a, with an emperor who said, I can teach you how to save people. That emperor, Vince McMahon, lied to him. So, so in reality, he's playing for the bad team, trying to do good. Eventually, he'll kill the empire, and he'll take over. So history does repeat himself. Anyway, Adam, we... I'll give you that, because I can't argue, because I've never seen a single second of a Star Wars. Before we get into WWE's response, and that's, that's, that's the natural next topic here, I do want hit on Cody Dustin because we have to look sirens off um there are different kinds of five-star matches we know that there's spot fests there's that, combina- that wasn't one of them there's combinations of 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 different things there's uh you know there's Austin Bret Hart which there were comparisons here because of the blood but that match was so well worked obviously and had such a great mm-hmm. story this match didn't have the work rate of a traditional top flight match didn't have a lot of things but it had the emotion it had the story it had the raw it had the blade job of the century that was almost too much and that almost too much element made it amazing to have Cody covered in his brother's blood somewhat accidentally because I'm sure Dustin did not mean to blame that blade that badly and then have his dyed blonde hair Ric Flair style be covered in blood and then to do the post-fight press conferences still with the blood covering him I mean I don't know I don't care what time you grew up if you watched Prime 80s territorial wrestling, that's wrestling, brother. And then you add in the brother element. You add in the ending with the hug. I still need my brother. This is a five-star match. It really was. It was a five-star story. It was a five-star feel spot invasion. Sometimes you can get there going the back way. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't mean that back way, of course. But you can get there going the back way. Jack, this was basically perfection. Yeah, look, I, I'm going to pull a Lance Storm. I'm going to get serious here for a minute about this. I was hoping we were going to talk about this match. I agree with you, BC. Like, from my side, look, I, 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 there's, there's been this culture now where five-star matches have to be move by move. That's, that's not the case. For me personally, as a, a fan of 32 years of this business, that was a five-star match to me. That was the most enjoyable match on the show. I've watched Dustin Rhodes from the time he showed up on WWF television, get slapped around by Ted DiBiase. I watched him go to WCW with his father and make a name for himself. I watched him turn into gold dust. I watched him, oh God, go to TNA as Black Rain. I saw him come back to WWE and now seeing him do this. I've seen, so needless to say, I've seen my share of Dustin Rhodes matches. 
in my lifetime. A lot of them. That was one of the best I've ever seen, if not the best performance he's ever put on in the ring. I thank Cody for that. I think Cody helped him a lot with that because the fact is he he is in the twilight of his career. I was happy at the end of the match because I did think that that was his retirement match. I thought afterwards, going going into the show, that he was done. Um, and when Cody pulled the swerve and said, "You don't, I'm not allowing you to retire here because we have some work to do." And obviously, going forward, if you keep Dustin as a sporadic character on AEW, I'm fine with that. He can't be a weekly guy. He can't be a top guy. But I, I do sincerely just want to thank those two for what they gave us on Saturday because that was the that was I can't say the most emotion I've ever felt because Kofi Kingston's win did draw emotion for me at WrestleMania. So I can't say I can't say that specifically. But I did, Brian, like you said, I grew up in the territory area. I watched world class. I watched the NWA and that drew those emotions from me watching those two do that. Everything they did from the moves to just letting the crowd like just soak it all in in the ring. And I do like if I could see those two right now, the Rhodes brothers, and just thank them for what they gave me on Saturday, I would love the opportunity to do that because they put on one of my favorite matches. Yeah, I'm going to say this of all. Wow, it's still real to me, damn it! Wow, I love that take, Jacko. Love that, that take. Perfect. That was perfect. I like. Thank you. That was perfect. <laughs> that was really good. Uh, for me, it was. I'm not going to agree with you guys. Yeah, well, very, well let's, was, let's, let's set the stage. You did miss the mark badly on, on Aldis versus Cody. No, I didn't. Yeah. It was a three-star match. No, you have crapped on that from day one. When that yeah, story it was, a three, was, yeah, it was a three-star match. insane. It was, three, it, was, it was a three-star the match. The emotion in that story it was, was a three amazing. Star, it was a three-star match. It was fine. Right. Yes, I understood the emotion. But right. it made it. Jimmy. You know what? The, the emotion made it a three-star match. That's what I thought of that match. Um. I'm not going to, uh, to agree with you guys on a five-star level, nor do I think that's really that important. What I will say is I do agree it was the best match of Cody Rhodes' career. I think it was maybe the best match of Dustin Rhodes' career. I remember, I mean, I, like, I know it sounds silly. The Hollywood backlot, backlot brawl, I loved. That was like apex of Silver King as a wrestling fan. And I'll never forget him for being in that with Roddy Piper and how awesome that was. But in terms of in-ring, yeah, that was great. And when you consider that he's coming off double knee surgery, and it was his first match back. He was in great shape. The, great shape. The expectations they had to live up to, both of them, to have that match on that show, the match that they've wanted, their family has wanted. For me, it wasn't so much about, was it a five-star match? Was it not? It wasn't. I thought it was a four-star match. That is not an insult. That's great. Uh, it's only so a, many matches. It's ma- an insult. There's, it's not. What's more important What more do is, you need? What's more important is it was a love letter to their father and it was a love letter to the generation of wrestlers that their father came from. That's what touched me. That's why I thought it was great. There's no negatives. Uh, It's simply, I'm not going to go ahead and claim it was one of the greatest things I've ever seen because it just wasn't, but that's not to say it wasn't great. Adam, that was, it was, it was perfectly placed on the show. It was Kobe beef covered in blood. It was it was it was perfection of this. It was art a little form. too. Ra- it was a little too rare for my. Taste. It was Shakespeare. I wish but you could have heard that, Jimmy. It was I, amazing. I, I do think the amount of blood, and it's not their fault necessarily, but I think the amount of blood took away. If you give me fifty percent of that blood, I enjoy it a little bit more. But that's that's the thing. I just want wrestling fans in the internet era to understand. 
We all have our different views of the product. Adam, I respect everything that you said about that match after I just basically gushed over it. Right. And we all have different personalities. Like me, there's two sides to me that you guys know. On Twitter, I, I get those jokes off all the time. 90% of the time, I'm joking about something. When I write something on CBSSports.com, that's my serious wrestling personality. Adam, you tend to be more serious on Twitter when you're breaking down the product. But that's fine. We all have our different viewpoints of how we view wrestling. And look at what AEW has done to us. It has brought out our different viewpoints. That's what we need. Well, wow, the these is right. like BC. You just robbed me king this. Can't, and we all just got along over this. Wow. The key to all of this is good is good. Whether you think good is great or good is, you know, very fine or whatever the case, good is good. And what we saw, again, I'm going to couch it, in the final three matches on that card was good and or great and or exceptional wrestling. It was actually wrestling. As opposed to what we got Monday night on Raw, if I'm allowed to transition, I, I, there's still a little more AEW oh. I want to talk about. But as opposed to what we got Monday on Raw, where we didn't have a match until we were like, 45 minutes into the show, that match was 90 seconds featuring Lance Anoy, and then we only got four matches on an entire three-hour show. Granted, the final two were really damn good. Yeah, I was annoyed. But we didn't get wrestling on a three-hour wrestling show. Yeah. All right. AEW gave us wrestling. Let's transition with a DM slide. We can go back at the end, but let's... This DM slide from a Mount Rushmore member, Adams hated... Uh, enemy Bob Backlund at Talkbox, a guy we love around here, a guy who will be my co-host on the Red and Black Wolfpack spinoff podcast, possibly starting at the end of this show or next week. We'll see. His sentiments were, I got 50 of these DMs, and I was shocked that this many people, especially the people who hate me, who are on Adam's side of the line, he says, you can read this on the show or not. What AEW and what WWE are doing right now simultaneously is making me for the first time ever, ever, question whether or not I'd even watch WWE in the future. Maybe I just don't like sports entertainment and I like wrestling. Oh God, what have I become? The revolution is real and you, BC, have been our Moses guiding us, the SOC nation through the desert. Lead us to the promised land, BC. By the way, Bob Backlund on a work trip in Israel right now, so all those uh, references did hit home. Uh, uh, Look, too far, Jack, maybe, but here's the point. I've had people slide my DMs and be like, I canceled WWE. And look, that's not the point of being a revolutionary fan. We want WWE to succeed. If you tell me right now AEW is going to fold in two years, but WWE is going to be better and adjust to the times, revolution wins. That's the point. But with that said, guys, we had to expect WWE to swing big, to respond in some way. They had to be woke to the climate and the temperature. They had Memorial Day or not to bring it this week. And changed the course, like historically the last few years, anytime they had hit record lows in ratings, guess what? They came back the next week, Vince was on TV, and they brought it. And they reminded you that if they tried, they could do it anytime they wanted. This week, they did nothing. So anyone who's in my DM saying, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I may actually be done with sports entertainment, I don't hate them. Am I the only one in the world? who didn't expect some grand change on Monday night. And for a reason I've mentioned before, why would they? AEW is not on TV yet. I totally, why why would they? I totally agree. I, everyone's saying, how is WWE going to respond on Monday? I'm like, they're not going to respond. They're going to build towards their Saudi Arabia show, which by the way, couldn't be worse timing. Right. But 
they're going to build to their Saudi Arabia show. How are they going to respond? Well, I'll tell you how they're going to respond. In October, when they start on Fox, they're going to bring The Rock back for the first episode on Fox. They're going to have The Undertaker there. They're going to go back to the Attitude Era well, and maybe there'll be some NXT call-ups. And if there is a refreshment that needs to be done to the WWE product, that's when it's going to happen. It's not going to happen in between Double or Nothing and Fighter Fest. I would say, if anything, maybe... Adam, look for maybe minute changes, but changes nonetheless, probably in or around All Out. SummerSlam maybe, time. Maybe Summer gradual. Well, I, well, SummerSlam is always a given where it, you, it tends to give us things we're interested in. But I mean, any sort of like change that says, oh, like this product's on an upward trajectory. If they, if they do feel AEW, it's probably around All Out. All right, but that, that, those are smart takes, though. Those are smart fan takes because you guys read the sheets. You're in on the business. You know what's coming in the future. But from a more macro general view, what WWE put out this week is 1 million percent unacceptable. You may, oh, say, well, you may say, well, business-wise, they don't have to respond right now. But their ratings are plummeting. The idea of AEW is to steal you know, lapsed fans or steel fans who are on the fence and check in every week on Raw but aren't really serious. So how do you not respond with anything? Guys, Monday was 100% unacceptable, up and down. We could break it down segment by segment. Tuesday, I thought sucked, outright sucked. What the hell are we doing here? I'm not saying you got to bring back The Rock this week, but you have to book stuff that makes sense. Everything was illogical. I did not think Tuesday sucked. I don't. I really don't know where you got that. I fully enjoyed SmackDown. The 24-7 title, which is an absolute joke, was in the main event. Roman Reigns continues to feud against three people for absolutely no reason. And Roman Reigns got over as all hell in the main event by siding with R-Truth. In a tag team match with the 24-7 champion? Are you kidding me? You may not like it, but it worked. You may not like it, but it worked. But you know what you're saying? there's a difference... And there's a difference between your initial question, which was, did you do you did you guys think they were going to do something Monday to respond versus did they need to do something Monday to respond? Yes, they needed to do something. No, I didn't think they were going to. And no, they didn't. What a joke Monday was in the use, the the misuse of Brock Lesnar. And look, you want to run them out. Look, the basically what they did for the first hour of Monday was just try to recycle anything that worked the week before. So you want to run Brock out and do the dances and stuff. Look, I'm not against that. It was entertaining. Brock's been bringing it. But to try to believe the psychology of he has to declare who he's going to cash in on, A, then B, that he doesn't know the rules. I know you can say, well, that's his character. He doesn't care. Dude, he's been around in this company for 18 years, and Seth Rollins cashed in on him almost a full year to the day that he won it. So I don't believe that. And final point on this, you tease him at the end watching, and he doesn't even come out to even pump fake a cash-in. What the hell are we doing here? Well, two things. The reason they did that with Brock was to keep people on the show for three hours. It was the only reason they did it. But see, the other point, that's something I badly wanted to say, BC. He is the only person in the entire company with an advocate, with an actual real manager. Forget Zelina Vega, forget kind of Drake Maverick here and there, forget Lana, whatever. He is the only one in the entire company that in kayfabe has professional representation. And that professional representation, the greatest of all time, arguably, in Paul Heyman, doesn't tell Brock Lesnar, hey, you don't have to declare you can cash this in at any time. In what world does that make sense? In what world is that treating your fans like they're intelligent? It treats them like, oh, yeah, no, of course it makes sense. He didn't know. Vince, that is terrible booking. I mean, 
it's so inexcusable that it, all it does is it left the fans there going, what? How do you not know that? It's it's unacceptable. You nailed it. And by the way, the point about well, it got Roman over. No, the crowd popped because house show. But basically, what Raw and SmackDown are doing every week now, they're giving us house show main events that mean nothing. And of course, the crowd pops. I've been in the last year at a live Raw, sitting in the third row. Every match rules because you're that close. But it's house show booking on Monday and Tuesday night, coming off of competition. But even if they didn't care about the competition, this week again sucked. So it's the timing of the Moxley interview. It's the timing of the AEW launch. And it's the timing, you nailed it, Adam, of Saudi Arabia right around the corner. Guys, I know I've done this song and dance before, but Adam, what reason should I want to or need to, outside of that I get paid for it, watch Raw SmackDown next week and care this much to be prepared for this show? I can't make a justification to watch it live anymore. Because that ended this week. Because I was watching Raw live, and I sat there, I'm saying, what am I doing? Now, I like wrestling. I like sports entertainment. Whatever The the WWE product, it's something that I've invested in for 25 years of my life. So I'm going to DVR it, and I'm going to watch it, and yeah, I'll fast forward to things that are clearly stupid. But there is no more justification to watch it live. What's interesting, though, is that all of this has occurred in a time period that couldn't be worse for WWE, as you just laid out. You already laid it out with Moxley and AEW, right? They moved their takeover pay-per-view because they didn't want it to conflict with the Saudi Arabia show and and the timing, getting guys back and forth and all this stuff because they have a 50-man battle royal. But they're doing this when they are at literally their weakest. Coming out of Money in the Bank, that was good. We enjoyed it. We thought the matches were – some of the matches were very, very good. And now they're promoting the one show or two shows every year that fans don't care about, advertisers hate, and people in general around the world don't understand – other than money, why they are there and yeah. what the point is. They've, na- they've made no social progress. Hey, we're eventually going to get women. Well, this is your third show. There's no women on the card, right? There's nothing positive about this. They're giving us Triple H and Randy Orton oh with zero God. build. They're just like, hey, here's a promo package of their oh, kind of Oh, that's all we got. We're promo packages. By the way, promo packages can be fun, like historical ones. That's all we got on Raw and SmackDown this week is yep. Kevin Owens' history with the New Day. Uh, or it was just, it's just ridiculous. So, like they're explaining, they were explaining to us why K- Kevin Owens was fighting Kofi Kingston again. How about you don't give us a WrestleMania rematch? Uh, I'm sorry. How about you don't give us a Money in the Bank rematch? How about you allow Kevin Owens to take two weeks off because he doesn't want to go to Saudi Arabia, bring him back into the storyline after Kofi beats Dolph? Before you continue, very quick thing, because you mentioned the house show booking and all that. I just wanted to talk about that. WWE thinks that solving their problem comes down to two things. Putting stars on every show, which we already know is not the case, and putting the faces over. Putting over the people constantly with no story. that with fans no, with want. No story. We don't always just want fan favorites to go over. We want good We want stories. the meat. We want the Whoa. story. So, uh, Jacko, I got to hit you up with this, okay? Did you have a good point yeah, you wanted me. to slide in? Okay. Look, it's it's bad enough that, like... Storyline wise, we just we're so pissed off. Why are we putting our time in this? We're on the fence. But WWE does so many cringe things that that say that they're not woke. So many things you have to swallow. So many things like Saudi Arabia that you got to go. Well, God, do I? Can I love the art but hate the artist because it's ridiculous? We got an interesting DM slide from one of our most hardcores who probably deserved a spot on Rushmore from Black Saber Junior at underscore Black Saber Junior. I know people hate when we make the comparison. Guys, get over that hatred because WWE and AEW are going to be compared every day, every second, rightfully so, just like the Attitude Era. Here's what Black Saber says. With WWE-AEW comparisons being the topic from here forward, can we shout out how woke AEW has been so far? 
between Cody openly addressing race, and I'm sure you guys saw that tweet, like, blew up to where, what, uh, what's that lady's name? AOC. AOC put, I mean, good lord. And AEW never mentioning that they featured a trans performer, something WWE would have beaten to the ground with gratuitous levels of first time ever. And then there's also uh, the sensory experience that Brandy was harping on. He says it's nice to have a product that now, for now, feels so progressive. Jack, does that matter in terms of pulling people away from WWE and to AEW in 2019? That they do seem to be outwardly and openly saying that Ballard Club is for everybody. It's an interesting question because I have spent the last few days while the, the, the whole woke thing is actually a thing on Twitter between the, this WWE AEW war. And of course, people are pulling up the articles showing how much uh, Shad Khan donated to the Trump campaign saying, oh, yeah, how woke are they really? His thing. And I saw I, this isn't my thing, but I did see someone say this as I was looking through my Twitter timeline. They're like, look, most most, if not all multi-billion dollar companies have skeletons in the closet, okay? Not They're not all perfect. They're going to have things that you're going to open that closet, you're going to see those skeletons and go, oh, wait, you're not as perfect as we thought you were. Do I commend All Elite for, you, you know, shining light on some of these things? Um, yeah, I do. But, uh, you know, I also I do have to people, – people need to realize that, no, like the Khan family, who is the financial backer, who without their money, we don't get what we got on Saturday – also sends that money to places you might not like, you might not agree with. That's just the reality of the situation. Like, uh, but uh, no, I do. I, I, I'll always commend AEW or WW, anybody who shines light on any sort of philanthropy, uh, it, any kind of charities they do, because it, it, it's a good thing. But no, well, we know, like, we know WWE beats us over the head with it. it. I just don't want people to fall in this perception that the entire crew of AEW, and when I say entire crew, I mean entire crew from the bank on down, is this picture of perfection, because it's not. Well, that's if the thing. You it, lose... it, yeah, go for it. Well, you, can, uh, you can finish. Yeah, that. he gets you to want, shave but... your head. Everybody knows. Keep yeah, going. I know. We know. Um, AEW has done something very smart, and the Elite have done something very smart, if we're actually looking at this analytically. They have made fans believe that it's their company. They've made you, as your viewer, by taking you inside, by taking you behind the scenes, showing you them in gorilla position on the last episode of Being the Elite, showing Moxley get ready, having Moxley go on Jericho's show and talk freely about WWE and and, uh, clowning on WWE on their show and taking you on the inside. They make you believe as a fan that you are as invested in this company as they are. Here's the difference. They are getting paid by AEW. You are paying AEW. You're giving them $50 for a pay-per-view. You're spending $25 for some of these fans hundreds of times for this t-shirt comp- this t-shirt company's t-shirts. And that's a joke, obviously. You're the ones buying tickets to the events. You're going to be the ones watching them on television. As much as they may be doing things to make you happy as fans, and that's great. Most and almost all companies should be in the service of their customers yes. and making them happy whether they spend money and you feel like it's well spent. Okay? So that's, that's, that's the goal. What, it, but, it, but as much as they're doing that, they are in this to make money, and the people behind the company are billionaires. <laughs> and let me tell you something about most billionaires. As Jack just said, a lot of their money is not in places you would like it, and a lot of their investments and a lot of it, the things they do outside of the company that you have to love. Owners of it, NFL, this goes for owners of NFL teams. This goes for... Major corporations of, of which we are a part, most likely. I don't know the detailed financials. This goes for many and almost every 
major company in this country. And AEW is a smaller part of a much larger con family empire. So you you need to understand that when you're watching this product, they're trying to attract you and they're doing it. They're not lying to you necessarily, but they're making you feel a certain way. They're doing a great job at it, but don't lose sight that this is still a wrestling company. ROH exists. You may like them, their own by Sinclair. Don't forget that either. And just just really quick to your point, Adam, what you said about, you know, how they how the, the elite presented as their company. You know, it was very telling heading into Double or Nothing, that candid interview that, that Tony Khan did, where he specifically revealed, he's like, yeah, I you know, I, I know I have these wrestlers as executive vice presidents and that's not normal. But make no mistake about it. Every idea they have is gets either a yes or a no from me. Yeah. And he been which is basically his 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 admitting. I'm Vince McMahon. Yeah. yeah like he, they, they will come to he, me at the end of the day. It's his money signings, but I say yes or no, because I got this, but you, I got the money. Well, I think you brought up a good point about trying to make the fans feel like they're a part of it. Look, historically that worked for ECW trying to make yeah. the fans and the performers feel like they're all in this revolution together. Certainly working for NXT. That's why nothing gets booted in NXT. Everybody gets cheered. It's smart. And you build that by the way, by rewarding your fans. So look, if AEW ever become something like a WCW? Will money take over and they change their ways? Maybe. But for right now, they have that StarCast Festival uh, convention, which is pretty... You get That's right to the front not, lines. I mean, but no, no but seriously, like, a- you go, you can go do karaoke <laughs> with the Young Bucks. I'm saying, like, you can get right up there. And number two, like, they're doing things that we openly criticize WWE. They're doing real-life sports press conferences after with every single performer and executive and booker. And when they show you on being the elite gorilla, they have the right minds running it. We don't know in the long run if Tony Khan is a booker is everything we think he might be, but it's him who? Uh, B- Badass Billy Gunn, Dean Malenko, Cody, the Jacksons. Dean Malenko. and like Dustin yeah. Rhodes standing there. I'll, tr- I'll, I'll, I'll trust that group right there. You know what I mean? In terms yeah, no, of- it's, it's a good well, group, but let's not forget like WWE, their executive team is loaded with former wrestlers, guys who, who aren't allowed to make the final decision. Yeah. And that's the difference. Yeah. Whereas there is a more collaborative atmosphere in AEW, at least through one show, as then compared to WWE, which all you can have all this smart talent in the world in one room. But if one guy doesn't listen to any of you, or he says it, he will, but at the end he changes it, it doesn't matter. AEW, so far, it seems like it matters. But again, one show, very good. Let's see. All right, let's uh, see. Can, I, can I just – one thing I just wanted to bring up to you guys before we move off the AEW time, because I know a lot of people are into it, because I, I do got to ask. The belt. What do we think? The title? It's so, nice. Number it's one, belt. it's a belt. Cody I, said I it was it. a belt, so it's a belt. It's it's beautiful. It's great. It's gorgeous. I loved it. I I, I loved it. Also, I do got to say, I love Bret, Bret Hart, Mr. IDGAF. Getting a WrestleMania entrance a month ago, <laughs> and then showing up. I mean, Vince, I, Vince literally puts him in the Hall of Fame twice. Care and then he MJF. and he screws him again. Now and then he falls was, off the stage, and then yeah. and then MJF rips him about getting speared. Like well, it was brilliant. Well, did you see like any more of an endorsement for MJF? Like we, everyone's been gushing over him. Brett could not hold himself together while MJF yes, was yes. tearing him apart. Like Brett got this smile on his face, like. Oh, this kid has a future. Which that had to make MJF feel good. But the smile, Brett couldn't help but smile as MJF just ripping into him. I said, "Oh, that what an endorsement." As Jack said, let's quickly just because there is some other stuff that happened in AEW just to go through it. 
So the title reveal, I actually thought like the, the, the angle, whatever, it was good, fine, whatever. They never really showed us the title. Like <laughs> that was a huge mistake. Um, you mentioned it off the top, Ryan, the commentary, you know, look, JR is JR. He's good. And he's probably necessary at least to get them started. Excalibur, I think is good in that number two chair. Very good. But, but if we're being honest and look, you know, don't I don't, soften I don't it. like to, don't, don't I, don't, soften I, don't, it. I don't like to crap on anyone else who's in, in some type of journalistic communications role. Cause this is difficult. And if you listen to me, like on the first five episodes of this podcast, I mean, you may not like me now, but I was not good then, and I've come a long way. And people yeah, he used get better to get really time. mad. Oh wait, how about you guys shut the f up and let me talk for a minute? Oh wait, he did that well, again that today? Was, that's when I came into my own. I mean, that's that's my moment, right? Um, but Marvez should not be in the third or second chair there. It's not a good fit. WWE learned this like with a Mike Adamley. Yes, you can try it. Sometimes it doesn't work. Or he, Rob Bartlett. Sure, I mean, come on. I'm sure there's another role for him on a mic, maybe a backstage interviewer, or maybe uh, some type of host or whatever. That okay, is. he was cringe. I, they they hung him out to dry on the pre-show by having yes. him in that spot. And even when he was at his most comfortable and at his quote-unquote best, it still was so freaking annoying to hear him drop back bio tidbits that really interfered in the calling of the match. Because Excalibur, I thought, was very cool. good. And I will say this. JR's washed, but Excalibur probably brought the, the best version of JR we'd seen in a long time. And I think it was smart to have JR popping as your AEW soundtrack when you go to show vignettes and you go to show packages, you've got JR popping for Moxley coming in. In the end, I can deal with Wash JR if we got Excalibur carrying his Yeah, at least at least for yeah. a year or two if it's short term, because he's a, I think he has some other bigger talent relations or something role there. So that's fine. But I think I, you're right. JR and Justin Roberts, they added a gravitas, they made it feel real. It was necessary. Um, what did you guys think of the overall look and production? Because that uh, so the production I thought had issues. The look, the stage, the ring—I thought it was a home run. Yeah, yeah, everything because that was a, a big thing. And I, and I know not just us. Any wrestling fan who's who's uh, questioning where this is going in the future, what production was one of the big things. Like, are you going to look major league like WWE? And I did some of the camera angles and the lighting. And I'm not just—I'm—I'm I'm not saying this is a joke. I did get some WCW vibes from it. Yes, where yes. it was in, like you—you are watching an entirely different product. From Raw, Raw and SmackDown and WWE pay-per-views, and I did like, yeah, the light, the the lighting, and some of the camera angles on the ring and the color of them. And that did, I got some WCW vibes. And I said that's not a bad thing because that's what some people subconsciously, especially older fans like myself, are looking for. Like we want to see stuff like that. But no, the stage was great. I thought the poker chips were a nice touch, and they even got used at the end oh, of the show, great. which was great. The and the big things coming in was hey AEWS Pyro, which they did, but they didn't overuse it. That right. was my favorite thing. They didn't overuse the pyro. It wasn't like old WWE, bang, 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 bang for everything. They used it when it was necessary. So I said that was a small touch I liked, but no, production loved it. Yeah, well, here's the thing. It was it was subtle. I, I think less is more. I think we learned that with NXT. I think that it reminds you of the 80s and, and, and certainly when it was about the wrestling. Dim the lights in the background. Third hour of Raw, which makes no sense because they haven't even announced why they're doing it. But anyway, the point is, um, even if they start tilting toward bad production and more of an indie ROH feel. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. It's not a negative to me. I want it to be about what I'm the, the product, the actual creative product and the performance. Look, I don't want awful production, but I almost would rather have less than trying to compete with WWE and going all out bells and whistles and have it almost getting in the way where you're, tr you're trying too hard. I mean, WWE is great in some of the things they do, but they care about that stuff almost too much. Be yeah. stripped down. I'm fine with that. Well, I think I think this was when you talk about TV production, this is probably the first time 
that entire crew worked together. Maybe they did some test runs and rehearsals and things like that. But for a live show, there were very few errors. When you think about how long that show was and it's live action wrestling, it's very, very difficult to do that. But for me, more important than anything else, I care about that entrance ramp. I care about how it looks when wrestlers come to the ring and the type of production I'm seeing from them. I thought the entrance themes were good. The production in that way was good. Having the separate entrances for one person came in from the right, one person came in from the left. They have those two two different tunnels for the competitors. So you're not thinking like, wait, is everyone just waiting together backstage in the gorilla position? No, they came out different ways like you would at a football game or something like that. Um, I loved all of those little pieces of it. I thought that was really, really strong. Yeah, see, that's one thing I got to dis- uh, the music. Ugh, wasn't feeling it. I thought it was good. I, that was one of my criticisms. I was like, you know, you don't have to get Jim Johnston in there, but let's <laughs> maybe do a little like like Ring of Honor. Like Ring of Honor will take like I, that's what I like what ROH does. Like ROH, they they take these small bands and they pay them a fee, like, unknown bands. But ROH said some really Kevin Steen's music was great. AJ Styles' Ring of Honor music. I wish he could carry that. That was fantastic. Like ROH, like I can't. But that was. But that's yeah, all sauce, I, Jack. I Give me the steak. If the steak's good, uh, you can put whatever all sides right. uh, you want <laughs> on there. And can we eliminate the close-ups of the announce team and having Jr. openly be like, "I don't know where we're going next. Where the hell are we going next?" Like and, that stuff's got to go. Come guys, can like, you freestyle? Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, but seriously, these guys have to. I don't care. I'll call Jay right now. You got to freaking freestyle. You got to act like like this was supposed to happen. Oh. And guys, can we? You know, I mean, come on, guys. Like that was cringeworthy a couple times. Well, Jr. was looking down the entire time. Excalibur like kept pausing, not knowing if it was okay for him to speak. My biggest issue with the commentary was they gave us this other surprise debut. Jack, you may know who these guys are during that tag team match. Oh, the Super Smash Brothers. Yeah. Okay, so those guys came out, and then all their minions came out, and. Okay, I understand that there's two ways to call it. One is, we have no idea who these guys are. And the other is, oh my God, that's this guy, right? They had nothing. <laughs> that they was could, the problem. I'm sitting there watching this. I, I, I don't know as much independent wrestling as Jack, but I know a good amount. I know the big tag teams. I would know, I would know. I think, if that was a big deal. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, who are these guys? JR doesn't know. Excalibur doesn't know. Alex Marvez doesn't know. And I think, I'm thinking, okay, maybe three minutes into the fight, Someone from production just told, tells me they're these guys, but they never told us. So they had this entire segment of this attack that should have been a big deal. And I'm just like, yeah. what was that? Yeah, what 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 happened? That was a bit that, in my opinion, was I, I'm, not, I'm not saying you have to know who the Super Smash Brothers are, but they tried to they tried to bring it across on commentary as, oh, who are these guys? But it came across as, oh, who are these guys? We don't even know who the hell they are. <laughs> exactly. And that's what the problem was. And I'm like, Oh God! And like you said, I agree with you. They could have saved it where somebody said, "Okay, look, just say, just say it's their name. Say it's the Super Smash Brothers, and we'll get to the media." Yeah. Like they tried to create a thing where, again, in the future on TV, like you'll learn who these guys are. And oh God, they're devastating. Look at look at them. But it came across as, uh, "We don't know what we're doing. We don't know who these guys are." All right. right. Final point before we transition to NXT here. I, I got one more question from our listeners that that has a deeper meaning in the comparison between the two companies. <laughs> This is from Norseman, Nebraska, at Norseman NE. He says, hey, Brian, loyal listener, first-time slider. Hey, Norseman, welcome to the family. He says, has anyone thought about what John Moxley's move to AEW does for Renee at WWE? Have I missed something, or is this the most awkward of awkward positions? Hi, Renee, how was your weekend? Oh, fine, didn't do too much, just hung out at home. It's fine when Mox was going the independent route. 
But now that he's ready for a revolution, that's got to be a weird day back at work for Mrs. Moxie. Before you guys answer, let's also not forget that Adam Cole's, what, fiance, girlfriend, wife is Britt Baker, Dr. Britt Baker. So this won't be the first, won't be the last. Historically, it doesn't seem to work out well when somebody is married and they're both famous and one's working for the competitor. What do you think this means for Renee moving forward? Because this is awkward as heck. No, I want people to understand something about Renee Young really quick. I know very few people are untouchable in world wrestling entertainment. She's one of the closest you can come to. It terrifies them that if she wanted to, she could go anywhere. She can, she can call up ESPN and say, hey, you guys been after me for years. I'm unhappy here. You ready? They would hate. And not a Charlie Caruso type deal. Like she would just tell WWE, I'm out. I'm finally going to these guys. And she even let it slip once on an episode of Total Divas where they were thinking it was a uh, brand split episode. They were splitting up her and Dean. She said to Naomi, she's like, I'll leave tomorrow if I don't like this. If I don't like this outcome, I'm out of here. So, no, I want people to stop that. Nothing's going to happen to Renee. Renee's not going to get punished. All right, but it's awkward. In a sense, they're kind of scared that Renee has the ability. She can do whatever she wants, whatever she wants. So I don't think Renee's going to get punished or anything, but – I don't think she's long for WWE, especially especially if AEW comes and is like, look, Alex Marvez ain't good. You want that third spot? <laughs> right, or, right. or do you want to be our lead backstage interviewer or our lead host or some other position where she's getting paid the same amount of money or more and gets to be with her husband and gets a lighter schedule? I don't think she's long for WWE. And you know what? This Beth Phoenix trial balloon they're running on NXT. Oh, God, no. Beth, well, no, I mean, I actually think she's doing a good job. I think she's no, no, that no. third chair on Raw very soon. Oh, no, no, no. No, don't do it, WWE. Uh, final point on that is this. Whether it's Renee and, and, and John or, or anyone else, I don't think anyone, especially if both are equally popular, is going to be long for that. How could you have that happen when, when the competition is such cutthroat if AEW becomes the competitor like we are assuming here? You're, I mean, it's just I know I know it's naive to think there aren't best friends across both companies, but in the same household like that, I just don't see that working. I don't. I don't so, yeah, I don't think it works. And honestly, like I think fans like Renee for Renee, but they don't really love her in the chair. So it's not. It would not really be a huge loss if she's not on commentary on Raw anymore. But before we do get out of AEW, just real quick, is there anything else you want? To, there's a lot of other matches. Individual superstars. I know you you wanted Jack to tell you something about Sunny Days. You love that name. Um, God, that was the best moment. Is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up from all the other matches? Yeah, that we let me talk. start right there because that was. I mean, how freaking hilarious! You've had some Sunny Sunny Day. How how freaking hilarious is that name to give to just slap on a wrestler in, the, they, in that let battle? The guys think, hear me for a second, but because there is one thing I want to talk about from the battle royal. Actually, in the same building on the same night, they had Bret Hart and a wrestler named Sunny Days. Amazing. Amazing. Come on now. But we will, oh, just for the record, just, really Jack, quick. just for the record, though. Uh, just say for the record, I was not banging Sunny. Just so you know, but still, and, that's hilarious. And just for the record, you can think Sunny Days is the best. For me, it's Luchasaurus. Yes, that who, was my next who, point. Who, by the way, I'm a huge fan of Big Brother, okay? Austin, I think it's Madison, right? M-A-T-T, yeah. I think, um, was on Big Brother, used to wear a top hat for those that watched the show and don't remember. I think he was on Big Brother 17 and 19, something like that. He was in NXT, suffered a serious spinal injury, had to take basically two years off of wrestling, did not think he was going to wrestle again, starts doing indie stuff, whatever, comes up with this character, Luchasaurus, and is awesome. He's over. So seeing him in there and then signing with All Elite after, I was really just happy for the guy. 
And I think that's a fun character for them. That, so, yeah, that for me, I, the, the, the Battle Royal, he was a breakout star. Glad they kept him until the end. But again, the trial and error stuff, like that was that was a thing. It was like a police, the police side Cedric with Triple H. It was like he put on a show in that Battle Royal. People were like, look at this dude. He has the look and he has the quirky enough character for sports. Like this guy's perfect. And a few days later, AEW goes, you know what? He is perfect. He's ours. Now I got I had no idea on Angelico and Jack Evans coming in. So uh Indy Jacko, um I pop big and I I want them now. I need them. Yeah, man, you know what? I, I he's been his own worst enemy throughout the years. But I'm glad that Jack Evans has a full time job in twenty nineteen finally after all these years. And Helico, I don't know if you guys watched the video I put if you guys have never seen the Angelico dive from Lucha Underground season one, go look it up on YouTube. It's what when I saw because I used to watch Lucha Underground. I was intrigued by it. I, I got into it for a little bit, but uh, when he dove from a balcony that was far away from the ring and somehow landed in the middle of the ring, it was one of the most insane things I've it's ever insane. seen. But no, as a tag, and they're new as a, they, they they weren't lying on commentary. They're new as a tag team at AAA. They just paired those two up, and they're fantastic together. And you know, going for like I, I, that's another thing about AEW. I like slowly but surely where the tag team scene's going. And the, the match with the best friends was a pretty good indication of Dude, of, the best friends have never that, been that good. We've all seen them on the indie scene. They I, have I, never I, been that good was, before. Holy crap. That's why I'm saying that card got better match by match, and I cared more match by I mean, that Britt Baker ending with was it was great as well. I loved it. You know, like we were talking about put put over, not put over. Like that match was a good thing to put over because and Helico and Jack Evans looked great, and the best friends who were gonna be a top team, they, they got the win. All right, All right. We, we do have a lot of show left, and primarily BC and, and Jack, we need to talk about NXT TakeOver 25. Look, we love Double or Nothing, some of us more than others, some of us for different reasons than others, but I'm looking at this card, five matches, the word I have, the two words I have, holy cow. This is a hell of a card, and I mean, BC, you love NXT? And your favorite wrestler from WWE <laughs> happens to also be on NXT TakeOver 25. Now, real quick off the top, I'm very curious how the show is going to be presented. Because it's not attached to another WWE pay-per-view, and they're not going to have that large set that they normally have, I would not be surprised if we get an evolution-like production coming out of this. That being said, five matches on this card. Don't have much time to talk about them because we really blew our loads collectively on AEW and the comparisons to WWE. But I'm going to start off with the bottom of this card. Freaking Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong. I know you guys love Double or Nothing. I did too, those final three matches. Can this be the match of the month? No, but it's a it's a great match on paper. This card is a great card on paper. I don't think it's as good as some of the recent ones of last year. I think it has the potential to equal those because of the players that we are talking about. But when you have Matt Riddle and Roderick Strong with not a whole lot at stake, and that's your potential opener, it, it's going to win. It's going to dazzle you. I do love the storytelling over the last few, we- few weeks with what's going on in the Undisputed Era. I just power-watched four to five episodes in a row to see Roddy almost breaking up from them, but then pulling himself back into the faction by showing up with Matt Riddle's bloody uh, uh, flip-flop, if you will. I love everything the Undisputed Era does. Like I said, if this is your not-a-great-storyline, but they're going to dazzle you in the ring opener, I'm fired up for this. I also think it's a great opportunity for Matt Riddle to get the win back coming out of the loss with Velveteen Dream. He needs a win over someone who's legitimate and established. And for me, Roderick Strong is that guy. 
Yeah, I, I agree. But I, I I agree with this. This does have the potential if given enough time. That's the thing with Roddy. When you, I've learned, I've been watching Roddy for over a decade. Give Roddy enough time, he'll give you a classic. Because it does have the potential to be better than anything we did, we saw on Saturday. I, I mean that. Matt Riddle, Roderick Strong, given enough time, has the potential to be the best match we've seen in the month. That's what I'm saying. So, but okay. I, And I also agree with Adam's point. Riddle, yeah, like the, the loss to Dream was not harmful by any means. Not at all. But he does. Just, now he needs to get back on track. It doesn't, especially, I mean, with, with them dwindling in terms of talent. Not dwindling, like, negatively. Just a lot of people left for WWE, and they're reshuffling right now without Aleister Black, without Ricochet. Matt Riddle's the next guy, and it's time to really put him over someone strong and build that ascension to the top of the card. All right, next up we have that NXT North American Championship. My boy, the Velveteen Dream against BC's boy, Prince Pretty, Tyler Breeze. This was a very quick development. It looked like they were going in the Donovan Dijakovic direction. I I think that's the name he's going by now. He got hurt. Obviously, he initially had a program with Keith Lee. He got hurt. Those guys are kind of both out a little bit. Keith Lee's coming back soon. But they brought in Tyler Breeze specifically for this match. What did you think of that promo? Not package, but the, the head-to-head promo they had on NXT. And how excited are you, BC, for uh, this match? Feel spot activated. That wasn't even close to Tyler Breeze's best work. I mean, it was sort of like him going through the motions in some ways. It was just great to see him back in the character of who he is. And the character yes. that he worked hard on his own with Triple H to develop in NXT. The character that had about a hot second in WWE proper when he was in that initial IC title feud and he had Summer Rae by his side and then he instantly became a Joe Bear. Yes, he did great stuff in the fashion police, but to see him get a chance, look, if WWE can do one thing this week to respond to AEW, or not even specifically to AEW, but just to respond to the climate of, hey, right now you got to bring it. I'd love to see more people who are not being used. This is not a new take. Come back to NXT where they can be the best that they possibly can be. To see Tyler Breeze, who is an OG, like he said, at NXT. Go to the Performance Center. Adam and I have taken a tour. They've got a full glass display of Prince Pretty, who was one of their first original, awesome, unique characters. His selfie stick and the boas and all that. The guy can work. He ain't Janetti. The guy can freaking work. He knows Mm. his character. It's great to see him back, not just to what he can do next to Velveteen Dream, but I can't believe I'm saying this about a guy so young. What Velveteen Dream can do to bring out of Prince Pretty that we haven't seen in a long-ass time. Maybe it's been seen on the house shows. I don't know, but I can't wait for this match. For me, even though we're coming off of freaking Cole giving us five stars in the last takeover, I'm more excited about this match than any other on the card. Yeah, I love the stories here. Breeze never had a singles title in NXT. Now there's a secondary one that he can go after, and he's going right for it. Like you said, the OG flamboyant character in NXT against the new school flamboyant character in NXT. Like the, the, everything about this, like if you if you and the the prospect of what they're going to do in the ring on Saturday when, when they get going, oh, it's, it, I, I don't understand how anybody can hate on this. It's possible. No, very, very excited about it. And, you know, you guys know I talked about it. I saw Velveteen Dream, Matt Riddle in the main event of an NXT house show down here in West Palm Beach. Velveteen Dream, star quality. Top to bottom, I see a retention here. Keep moving forward with that title, my man. All right, NXT Tag Team Championship. We can we could have gone on forever about how this got vacated. Let's not worry about it. Viking Raiders dropped the titles without actually dropping them. We have a fatal four-way match in a ladder match, I should have said. Fatal four-way ladder match. The Street Profits against Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. The Undisputed Era. And yes, 
the fake sons of anarchy, as Jack likes to call them, the forgotten sons. Um, look, I'll go first here. W, uh, NXT has this issue where they're most over tag teams. And when I say most over, I really mean Enzo and Cass and the Street Profits. They, for some reason, refuse to give these guys titles. And maybe it's because they're popular without them. I wish I could make a case that they need to give the Street Profits titles here. I just don't really see it happening. In fact, what I see happening is the Street Profits losing in this match, heading over to SmackDown sooner than later because they need to inject some life into that tag team division. I don't necessarily know who should win, who I think will win. I wouldn't be surprised if the Forgotten Sons win because for some reason, NXT just really wants to get these guys over. But if it's me, I think you have to pay off Adam Cole's comments about the Undisputed Era taking gold if you're going to keep them in NXT. And I think you have to have them win the match, BC. What about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, they have the most star power of this foursome without question, unless you're going with a nice feel-good story to give the Street Profits some run. I don't think it's time for them to go to high school, by the way, because they're going to get buried and lost like Sanity was and then disbanded and heartbroken. No, that will be me. Um, I think you got to go Undisputed Era. I think this is a faction that constantly needs world titles to put over their Four Horsemen 2.0 type of feel there. Dude, the Forgotten Sons suck. All right? Yeah, I ain't good. I'm going with I, I'm going with the Street Profits finally getting their crowning moment simply because it, it's going to be as a sort of thank you for going to evolve and doing all that heavy like adding to their schedule. I think they're going to get their crowning moment as a thank you for doing that for a bit. So it's good. Yeah, it's going to be like a reward for them. And, and by the way, they got over there and fans yeah, legit and fans legitimately love them because they are great. And Montez Ford is amazing. And I doubt anyone watched it. WWE did a WWE PC combine. It's like ten hours long. It's on the WWE Network. Montez Ford is incredible. No surprise there. All right. Women's championship. We have Shayna Baszler defending her title against Io Shirai. Jax, correct me if I'm wrong. Favorite woman wrestler of all time? Io? Yeah. She's one of them. One of them. She's, uh, she's one of them. I love her. And I got to be honest, as much as I loved Asuka and still do, I think she has a huge future. Io Shirai may be better made actually for the main roster than Asuka is. Yeah. I think she's fantastic, and BC, I think that she gets crowned here. She should get crowned here. We, we've been predicting the opposite of Baszler in every one of these takeovers in a row. Had a great run. It's, it, it should be over now. It's time to find out if Shirai has that real star power before she would go to the main roster and get ruined and put back into the mix and get Oscar'd. Um I mean, good Lord. Let's, top, let's just stop for a second. And look at how far Asuka has fallen. I'm serious. Like, I know we talk about it. We joke about it. We cry about it. Asuka is the greatest women's wrestler of all time. In my opinion, she's my favorite. She had the most... What's the word I'm looking for? She was the most legitimate, badass women's wrestler I've ever yep. seen. She yeah. knew her character so well. Even though I was against the lingerie look for somebody that cool. And hate, hate when they use her in stupid babyface foreign comedic roles on the main roster. Put her in a damn suit and let her be a badass. Anyway, uh, yeah, let's go Shirai. Let's see what she's got. Yeah. The, yeah. the key is badass Asuka. Like, it's what put her over in NXT. I want that on the main roster. Yeah. Okay. For the tw for what feels like the 25th time in the last year, I'm going to predict Shayna Baszler's finally getting called up, so it's not going to happen. But <laughs> either way, I don't care what happens. Uh, yeah, EO's going to get the win, avenge Ky Kyrie, the way what Shayna did to her on the way out. And then, yeah, Shayna's going to – I don't know. I just don't know anymore. I, maybe you need Shane on the main roster. I don't know, but it's I, I feel it's difficult to put over her four horsewomen teammates, uh, Shafir and Duke. Without her there, I don't really know how they get over. Um, but regardless, I have not predicted 
her getting called up. I've been very good. In fact, Silver King went five for five, take over New York predictions. But this one, Io Shirai. Okay, the main event of the show, Johnny Gargano, fresh off winning the NXT Championship at that show I just mentioned against Adam Cole, Bay Bay, BC. How do you see this playing out? It's not so much how I see it playing out. It's how are they going to live up to the potential expectations. I mean, let's let's not lie. They're coming off of, the, I mean, <laughs> you can melterize it and say the greatest match in WWE history. I mean, they're coming off a freaking insanely good match, a match that didn't just kick me in the field spot. It tried to get, you know, both legs in there and, and jump around and squash some grapes. I mean, it, it, like I was invaded by it and we were sitting up in the nosebleeds. How do you top that? How do you do something differently? Gargano and Champa were able to constantly sort of just change it up enough in the stories they were telling, although they were using their, the, the foundation of their long feud and using the weapons and the rules and the matches that they had um, I want another classic here. I want it to be amazing. I want Adam Cole, baby, to get the championship. I was never really with the idea that you give Gargano his moment without Champa there. They pulled it off. Still had Champa showed up and gave me the greatest NXT match of all time. The best match I've ever seen live in person. Probably in my top three favorite matches of all time. It was that good. Good Lord, how do you follow that? I don't know, but I want to see Adam Cole at the end. We've said it before. I'll say it one more time. Nobody has the star power that Adam Cole has. Certainly on a pound-for-pound level, a guy that frail, if you will, even in 2019, just exudes it. Let's see him at the very top for a while. I don't want this guy in the main roster. I don't want them ruined. I'm going to stand on that hill, okay? I want them with trips for as long as possible, and I want Adam Cole to be the man. I'm going to go with Gargano retaining because, they, you know, WWE got or NXT, the NXT crew got beat to death over what they did to the storyline about Johnny never getting the win and just it's prolonging and prolonging it. So I don't think they feel that he could, you could have him win the title and then just immediately drop it. Plus, I think I disagree with that you guys bring up. And again, that's your opinion. It's like people, and you're not the only ones I've heard say this. People say, well, you know, the undisputed area needs to have every title at least once before they leave NXT. Might, no, no, they don't. I think I think you could do that angle on the main roster and give Adam Cole the Universal Championship or somebody else. Because what, usually when these guys get to NXT, most of it's forgotten anyway. So if you get them there, make a big deals right off the bat. And if you want to build to something like that, there you go. You have your angle with Undisputed. You're holding the Intercontinental title, WWE Championship, ta- SmackDown Tag Team Championships. You can do it. That's not what it's all about, though. It's about a faction like that. You can't go out there and claim you're the greatest and claim you're going to be draped in gold and then lose all your matches. But again, what I'm saying is, if it's at, we we know most of the NXT stuff gets forgotten, especially with casual fans among the main roster. If you let it breathe for a little bit, they can make themselves look like badasses on the main roster in front of half the people are going to be a new audience to see them anyway. So if you present sure. them as a big deal, you have the opportunity to do that at the same time. You're right. You're 100 percent right. But we just don't know when they're when or if they're going to get called up. My expectation is they're staying there for a long time. And if they're staying there. Adam Cole Bebe needs to be the new champion. They gave Gargano the win that they needed. That storyline didn't progress the way we expected with Champa getting hurt and having to leave and not being in that match, obviously. They gave, they gave us the payoff. Now they have to change the storyline direction. They have to go somewhere else. And look, maybe Gargano was on the cusp of being called up. We don't know what that stuff was with, with Vince yeah, McMahon, what, yeah. bringing them all up. So maybe he's going to come up to the main roster. Maybe it's a surprise. That's but a it, it, it ends for me with Adam Cole winning the title. Um, Good Brothers, Ferg. Sasha, I'm sure you watched Moxley this weekend. Adam Cole, anyone, if you're listening, there is a new way. There's a creative horizon out there. Come be yourself. Come paint the pictures that you want to paint. 
As John Moxley himself said in this interview with Chris Jero, quote, I'll put a challenge out to Vince right now. Your creative process sucks. Change it. End quote. Guys, we can have steak. We can eat it too. We can all hear Jimmy. Thank you to our listeners. They are so passionate. We had a bunch of the people at Double or Nothing. The Godfather at Heel, Antoine, since it's the greatest show he's ever seen in person. Alex C. at Alpod showed up with a broken freaking neck. Kurt Angle style and watched it. Wow. Wrestling is back, guys. Whichever side of the line you are on, support it all. Watch it all. Can't we just all get along, said Jack Crosby in 2019. Jack, thank you for joining us, sir. Oh, thank you guys for having me, as always. I'll follow Adam on Twitter. Converse, argue with him. He will block you. And we always close like this. Goodbye. Good night. Bad. We out.